Hey everyone, welcome to the Naz Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here you will listen to the preaching pastor from the Naz in Grove City, Ohio. We pray you are inspired by their teachings. Have you ever been walking toward a disaster? <laughs> Just seemed like it was going to happen, you knew it was going to happen, you were walking into the middle of it, you didn't know how bad it was going to be, but you knew it was going to be bad. Um, I, I've wondered what has gone on in the life of Mary is Joseph most likely didn't pack the car for her to take off, but Joseph got ready for Mary to go and see her relative, Elizabeth, uh, who scripture tells us was very old, past the years of childbirth, and uh, was married to a priest. And so she's going off probably to get out of Nazareth. I mean, the shame of what's been going on. Uh, I can remember as a kid growing up, and uh, it, it took me till years later uh, when other friends would look at me. And some of you know, I was kind of naive growing up. I didn't put everything together very well all the time. Still don't. Um, but I remember uh, girls at our church or girls that I knew at school or something would like go away to live with family for a while because they were having a hard time. They needed to get away and that made sense. Uh, but they, always, they would always move back like 10 months later. I didn't ever put it together until someone talked about what had gone on or what had happened that they'd had a child and they just kind of got out of town. So not everybody knew what was going on. This is what's going on with Mary. Mary's basically getting out of Nazareth, trying to stay away from the shame. Joseph by now has, has seen a vision from the angel. Joseph knows that Mary is going to be uh, his wife. The child that she is bearing is the son of God, but not everybody knows that. Zachariah and Elizabeth are waiting to take in their relative. Some of your versions say Elizabeth was Mary's cousin, just a much, 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 much older cousin. She heads that direction. I wondered what it was like for Mary to go there. Does, scripture doesn't tell us that her family took her. doesn't tell us who went with her. doesn't tell if she went alone. But she goes to stay with her cousins who are older, more wise, more mature, Mary knew that Elizabeth was gonna have a baby, that the Holy Spirit had come upon her and she and Zechariah were gonna have a baby, but she also knew, Mary also knew that Zechariah was a priest. Six months earlier, Zechariah had found out that he was gonna have a son because while he was burning incense in the temple, an angel of the Lord showed up to him and told him, you're gonna have a son. Zechariah laughs, this is ridiculous. I'm not gonna have a son. You know how old I am? You know how old my wife is? She's been barren all these years. So the angel strikes him mute, so he can't even talk. That was the only thing Mary had going for her, is that her uncle, the priest, was mute. All he could do was give her bad glances. He couldn't give her lectures. He couldn't do the things he would normally do. Paper wasn't as cheap as it was right there where he could type it out. He couldn't text her. So I can go, my uncle's gonna be quiet, or my cousin's husband is gonna be quiet, and I can spend some time with them. Have you ever been walking into a situation where you knew it wasn't gonna be great, but it was the best you had? That's what Mary's walking into. You can find it in, in the book of Luke if you wanna open your Bibles to Luke chapter one. I'm gonna read you a few verses, verses 39 to 45. So you can either turn your Bible on or take it out. If you're watching online, uh, you can take a moment there at the home guide. The, this scripture will be there in your home guide. It reads this way. It says, a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. 
At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Uh, today, I wanna say something to you. You'll, you'll see it in a slide later on, but I wanna say it to you right now so you'll remember it. Maybe, maybe plug it in your head. Sometimes God goes before us and prepares the way. Sometimes God prepares us for the way that he has for us. With Mary, what we find here is a young girl headed into something crazy, headed into something terrible, and she gets there, and we read that while they're having this greeting and this conversation, the Holy Spirit fills Elizabeth, that God had gone before Mary. Last week, we talked about our past and how we can go back and trace. God has been at work through the people of God. He's been at work through your family tree. Scripture tells us that it is not God's desire that anyone would perish, but that all would come to everlasting life. And so he is constantly working to bring us to him. We can see it by looking at our family or looking at our past, looking at the things that have been done that have brought us to this moment in time. But we can also take hope and joy in the fact that God, it goes before us, that God's already ahead of us, that where we think we're going, that nobody knows what's in the future, he's already there. He's already waiting for you. He's not only with you, but he's already ahead of you. That is great news for you and me this week. Um, I know that uh, this, this last uh, few months, there've been lots of crazy stuff with COVID, the things that we've been working through, walking through as a, as a nation, as a people, as a world. Uh, the whole earth has been working through a bunch of crazy stuff. Um, and uh, in the midst of all that, there's other crazy things that happen. And a few weeks ago, I had a number of different crazy things that weren't just happening to me. They were happening in many of the lives of the people here in our congregation, people that are watching online, people here in the building. And uh, I remember one particular thing I was getting ready to head into. I was, I'd called some friends to say, hey, can you pray? I can't give you the details. I'm not gonna tell you what it's about, but I'm getting ready to head into a meeting uh, later this week that um, is not good. There's two options on how this can turn out. And those are bad and worse. Those are the two options. And they would say, no, we're gonna pray that God will change all that around. It's gonna be awesome. I said, I'm praying that as well. But as I pray, all I know is God's told me it looks like two options, bad and worse. So just pray that it's bad. And like, well, okay. And so they're praying, you know, they're praying that it's gonna be good. They, they didn't listen to me. Um, and so I come to this meeting, end up in the meeting, go through the meeting, um, we get done with the meeting and I, I called some of the people that have been praying just to say, hey, wanted to give you an update and they were excited. How did it go? How did it go? And I said, it went bad. And they said, that's horrible, I'm so sorry. I said, no, that's great. Remember I said, it could be worse. It was only bad because you were praying. And they were going, that, that seems ridiculous. I wanna talk to you about this for just a second because I think there are moments when we feel like if we follow God, if we follow his path, that the way will be smooth, that everything will be awesome. And anytime things begin to get bad, we begin to doubt that God's really in this. We begin to doubt that God's really working and moving. God never promised that everything was gonna be smooth and easy. 
God didn't promise that, but he promised he would be with us. He's promised that he would go before us. He's promised that he would prepare the way. He's promised that he would be there. That's the hope that we have. That's what Mary had. God had promised her that she would have a son. And if you'll recall, the angel also tells her, he will be the cause of the rising and falling of many. And a sword will pierce your own soul. And Mary says, be it, be it done unto me what the Lord wants. Here's your servant. Here's your handmaiden. What? I'm, I'm going to negotiate that one, right? If I, that's me, if I'm taking your son and I'm going to bear your son, how about a smoother path, right? I mean, if I, it seems like that would only be fair, God. I'm going to be made fun of. This is going to be terrible. People are going to do all kinds of things. Can you at least make the path a little smoother? Mary accepted what God had for her. Joseph accepted what God had for him, knowing that the road that they were about to walk would not be smooth. But they walked in it anyway, not expecting God's gonna make everything great. This is gonna be awesome. We're gonna become rich. We've brought God's son into the world. He will bless us. We will have financial blessings like you would never believe. That, we don't read about any of that in scripture. A lot of the things we hear preached all the time, God did not give his own sons earthly parents. Have you ever thought of that? A lot of the things that we think we deserve, that we should have, God says, nope, not that, but I'll be with you. I'll be with you. It'll be worth more than all that stuff. That doesn't sound very fun, does it? Now, let me give you a fun quote here. Um, as we walk into life, as we walk through life, as we begin to do things, some of you have heard me say before that um, Hebrews had an understanding of the future and the past a little different than we do. Let's pretend this is the past over here. Uh, they would look at the past and walk backwards into the future. So they could see how God had worked and what God had done so that they could then understand because of his movements, the way that they could move into the future as God called them and led them. There was a voice behind them telling them when to move to the left and when to move to the right. I used to always read that passage in Isaiah thinking that the Holy Spirit was behind me pointing over my shoulders, which way to go. What the Hebrews understood this to mean is God is behind them saying, do you trust me? Even though you can't see me, keep walking back into the future. Kind of scary, isn't it? Unless you know who God is. Unless you can see what God has done. And if you can see that he has been faithful, it becomes a little bit easier. And you can begin to trust him and what he's telling you to do. That's what is going on here in this scripture. Um, there's a famous Danish philosopher uh, by the name of Soren Kierkegaard. Most of you um, maybe heard about him because of one quote uh, from a book called Fear and Trembling, where he talks about uh, Christianity being a leap of faith that to accept Christ, you're gonna come to a place where it goes beyond your knowledge. It's gonna go beyond what you can see and touch and feel and prove. And there's gonna be a step of faith that you have to take or a leap of faith that he would say. He also says this, it's perfectly true as philosophers say that life must be understood backwards, but they forget the other proposition is that it must be lived forwards. Okay, we can understand the things that have gone behind us. We can understand those things, but what's out here, we still have to walk into. We still have to take those steps. We still have to believe what God is telling us as we continue to move that direction. Uh, there are moments that um, 
I think we feel like that this leap of faith that we take is a one-time leap. I'm gonna accept Christ as my savior. Or we try to talk people into that by saying, just take the step of faith. So they take the step of faith and they end up there and they feel like that's it. I've taken the step of faith. And then God comes and asks them to take another step of faith. And you're going, well, I thought it was just one step of faith. And after you've taken that next one, guess what else happens? God asks you to take another step of faith. And the further we go along with God, we find the more steps he continues to ask us, ask us to take. And each one often leads us beyond our knowledge, beyond our understanding and beyond what we can see. Just when I think I've got things figured out, God makes me take another step into something that I don't. God, is it gonna mean good things for me? If I do this, will this work out really awesome? I'm gonna get more money, right? Not necessarily, just trust me. Um, I had one of those moments, uh, it was about a week and a half ago. Um, it was after that meeting, other things had happened, there was a lot of stuff going on. And so um, I was just in a place, I was in what I call the funk. Um, I just couldn't get, there were so many things going through my mind, I couldn't think straight. I would go and try to pray, I would read my Bible, I was doing all kinds of things and could not get, could not get anything coherent going. And so I, I, I took a day off. I was on the point of getting sick and so I'm just gonna stay home. And um, so my daughter is home from college. And so she comes in and she's talking to me earlier in the day, what's going on? I said, I'm just taking a day off. I've got some things I need to think of. And so if you can let me be a little quiet today, I'm gonna be spending some time praying and God's word and, and things. And so, uh, okay. So she went off to work. She came back later in the day. How you doing, dad, you doing better? No, not really. Um, you know, spent just a little more time, you know, give me some more time. And so there, I, I had gone and gotten the mail and I was sitting at the kitchen table. And as I'm sitting at the kitchen table, going through the mail, you know, Christmas cards, bills, all this kind of stuff, putting things aside um, so I can at least get that done and feel like I accomplished something for the day. Uh, Brooke comes in and steps up on a, on a bench and then sits down on the kitchen counter. And um, she says, Dad, and I thought, okay, we're having a serious talk. She, something's going on in her life. She needs something. And so I said, yes, honey. And she said, um, has God ever failed you? I said, what do you mean? She said, I know it's going rough. She said, but has God ever let you down? You know this is gonna be okay, don't you? I said, shut up. <laughs> I literally did. I was like, I don't need you telling me my own words. She said, but dad, hasn't he been? Yes, he has. We can begin to take the steps and the leaps because we can see he has always been faithful, but it won't always be easy. Um, some of us have walked through things in our life that aren't very fun. Some of you have received information from the doctors that have met bad diagnoses and you're gonna have to walk through some tough things. I've watched as the people of faith have said, I don't know if God's gonna heal me or not. I'm praying that he will, I know that he can. But whether he does or whether he doesn't, he's always been faithful and I'm gonna follow him. Watch people who have lost jobs, said, I don't know how this is gonna work out. I don't know what's going on in this time. I don't know why this has happened, but I know God and I'm gonna to continue to be faithful and do what he's called me to do. And I know 
Eventually it can work out, but it may mean I'm walking through some tough things right now. Watch some of you who've walked through a child or a loved one straying from God and wringing your hair and saying, what did we do wrong? Seems like if we did everything right, they should just stay on the same path. God should have taken away their free will, right? But they still have free will and people can do what they want to. Just because we're following God and doing everything correct doesn't mean that everything's always gonna work out the way we think it should. Some of you have heard me say this and I don't know who I'm saying this to today. It may be somebody watching online. Uh, but a number of years back, I was watch, listening to the radio. And uh, I don't listen to much talk radio, but it was, a, it was just a, uh, in between some songs, this Christian guy came on with like a five minute little spiel about some stuff. And while he was talking, he said, I wanna talk to some parents right now who have kids who have wandered from God. And he said, I wanna talk to the church who often gets to deal with those parents. He said, there are moments when we have ways of making people feel guilty because their kids have wandered from God. As though, well, you must have done something wrong. You must not have taught them enough. You, might, you, you let them miss church too much. You didn't put enough scripture in them. You didn't live it out well enough at home. He said, let me give you some help. He said, who is the greatest example of father that we have ever known of? And the, the person he was talking to said, um, well, God. He said, of course, God. God is our heavenly father. God is the perfect father. God is the father after whom all of us should begin to uh, make our ways. We should follow his ways. We should, we should be discipled by him. We should begin to put everything in order by the way God does things. He said, if God is such a perfect God and such a perfect father, then why do some of his kids wander from him? He said, I'm not giving you an excuse not to worry about parenting your kids, but realize just because you've done everything right doesn't mean everything's gonna be smooth. I know God said in scripture that the rain falls on the just and the unjust, right? I don't mind that passage, but I wish the hail would only fall on the unjust, right? Because sometimes that precipitation gets hard and it hurts. God can still work through that. I've wondered, I, I talked to y'all a little bit last week about Joseph's family tree, about Jesus' earthly father. And I think sometimes we forget sometimes the humanity of Jesus because we focus so much on his, on his divinity, on his Godhead, uh, godness. Um, I want us to, to take a minute, look at some other people though in Jesus' family. Jesus had other brothers and sisters we read about. And uh, one of them is a guy by the name of James. Have you ever wondered what it was like um, to be James? I wonder if James ever got called on for prayer in the house or if it was only Jesus. We're gonna call, no James, we're just gonna call on Jesus. He does way better at that, right? Things happen when Jesus prays. You need to work on that, James, right? What would it be like growing up in a house with Jesus? Sorry, I was thinking about a swimming meet where Jesus just ran across the top of the water and James is like, how am I gonna beat that, right? How am I gonna beat that? It's not gonna happen. James writes this in his book, the very opening, very opening verses of the book that James writes, the brother of Jesus. He says this, we should consider it pure joy whenever we face trials of any kind because we know that the testing of our faith develops perseverance. 
And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. One of the words there is actually that word telos. Some of you may have heard me preach about before. It's a Greek word that means perfect. That you may become what God intended you to be. That trials come your way. You could consider them joy because they strengthen you. They make you better. They make you more like God. So whenever you see them coming, count it all joy because we know that the testing of our faith <laughs> brings about eventually, if you, if you allow God to do what he wants to in and through it, perfection. It helps you become who you need to be. I wonder if James learned this because he had a mom and dad who were raising his half-brother. And he watched what they went through. He watched the pain that they suffered. He heard the stories. And at times would look at them and say, why are you going through this for him? We know that many of Jesus's brothers and sisters did not believe in him until later. They didn't believe in him until later. But James comes and writes to us and says, hey, guess what? Whenever you face suffering, whenever you face trials, whenever any of these things come, consider it joy. Because if you endure through these things, if you're persevering through them, God will bring about perfection in your life. I don't want that. I want perfection. I don't want the suffering it takes to get there. Can I get a witness? If you're online, just give me a thumbs up and say, Perfection without the, without the bad stuff, right? It's kind of like I want patience and I want it now. Please help me. We live, the problem is we live with our lives and our lives set on the here and now. C.S. Lewis says, we live our lives quite often with our eyes set on regular time. But God wants to do something different. In his book, The Screwtape Letters, uh, he's got Wormwood and Screwtape talking back and forth. And the older, uh, more wise demon says to the younger one, humans live in time, but our enemy, he's talking about God, our God destines them for eternity. You and I are not living to worry about the, the, the common things that come upon us right now. Those things shape us, those things form us, those things prepare us for what God has for us. Zachariah, Elizabeth, Joseph, and Mary all were willing to go through the things that they went through because they knew the God of their past. But they also knew what God was asking them to do in the present, and they stepped into that right now, in that very moment, knowing that God had promised them for the future and he had always been faithful. So if he had promised them, it was gonna happen. So let me say to you, when you had kids, ask you a question. Um, how many of you um, child-proofed your houses? Okay, you can see there's like an age gap here, right? All of the younger people, they child-proofed their house. They had those little things that you stick inside the, the plugs in the wall, right? The outlets, right? How many of you learned what outlets were for the hard way? <laughs> I did, yeah, I did, yeah. In fact, my mom says, I didn't learn well the first time. She said, I did it. It was like, ah! <laughs> like three times. They're finally like, stop it, you moron. Um, that hurts. Quit it. I remember one of, my, one of my favorite Christmases. It was a crazy day. 
my wife's in, I think she's holding Liam. And um, he, was, he had just been born. And so she's in feeding him. Brooke had done something crazy that day. Oh, she'd cut herself with a knife. Brooke had cut herself uh, playing with dangerous knives in the drawer, right? And so stuff's going on. I'm walking into um, family room and all of a sudden on the other side of the wall of the family room uh, was Connor's room. And all of a sudden sparks happen and the lights flicker. I'm like, what in the world? It was Christmas time. You know those little things that hold Christmas bulbs on the tree that are metal? Those slide really good into electric sockets. So Connor was on the other side of the wall looking at how that fit in there. Connor was smarter than his dad. He only did it once. You <laughs> walk in there and he's still just like, that was crazy. That's why his hair is so like it is right now. <laughs> Sorry, Connor. Um, right? Some of you child-proofed your houses. You made sure that everything breakable was up at a height where kids couldn't touch, except that your kids kept growing, right? And all got broken eventually anyway. My parents, I remember asking my parents one time, did you child-proof our house? I don't remember child-proofing our house. They said, no, we house-proofed our child. <laughs> she said, that's why your bottom was red. It's because you learned. Don't touch those, those no, those no, right? It's a little bit different. Let me go back to what I said to you at the very beginning of the message. There are times in our life where God goes before us and prepares the way and makes things easier for us. He goes and covers some of the electrical plugs. He moves some of the things that we might break. But as we grow in our relationship with him, you know what God begins to do? He begins to say, you're old enough now to learn how these things operate and what they're for. And some of them might hurt you. And some of the things that you're walking through may be tough, but guess what? I've already gone before you. I'm already there. We learn this in this story of Mary. Mary is going to Elizabeth and Zachariah's house. We don't know what she's feeling. We don't know the emotions that are running through her. But when she gets there, guess who she finds is already there? The same Holy Spirit has already gone before her and has prepared the way and is there for her. She had to walk through everything though. She had to go from Nazareth and take the journey she had to take the time. She had to go through all the thoughts in her head, the dangerous road that she would travel to get to their house to find that the Holy Spirit would be there. God wants to do the same thing in and through your life. The question he has for you today is, are you ready to take that step? Are you ready to walk in him and let him do what he wants to in and through you? You see the stories that led up to the birth of Christ go through the lives of all kinds of people who obeyed God when he told them what to do, but what they had to do was not gonna be easy. It didn't make their path easier. How many of you, don't raise your hands, but how many of you watching online or are in the building today are way past childbearing years? Don't raise your hands, I'm just right. Don't raise your hands. So just think about it real quick. Imagine having a kid right now I'm not way past childbearing years and I don't like the thought of it. It's weird being a single pastor and having everybody think that uh, they've got someone for me or all kinds of other things and my dating life and all that. It's fun, it's interesting uh, what people think. And so somebody asked me about would I, would I, if I married somebody younger than me, um, they said, most likely you're gonna marry somebody younger than you. What if she wants to have kids? I said, then she's not for me. 
And they said, why not? You're young. You're young at the time. I think it was 47 or 48. You're a young 48-year-old. I said, appreciate that. I appreciate that. I said, but you know what? Young 48-year-olds, if they have kids, if I got married now and it took me a year before we had a kid, right? I'd be 49. Let's just say 50. Let's round it off at 50, right? By the time we get to high school graduation, I'm 68. And they said, wow, I'd never thought of that. And I said, I have. Please quit giving me advice, right? I know. I know the plans God has for me, and a new child's not one of them. <laughs> Think about at that age, God's saying to you, you're going to have a kid. What do you mean? These knees aren't built for kids anymore. This back isn't made for that. I'm going to bless you. Can I have a grandkid? Not a kid. God gives you what he feels you need, and God will give you the strength to work through it. God does things in his way, in his time that we don't always understand. But we do know from looking at what he's done, his ways are always right. So continue to take those steps and let him do what he wants to in and through you. Whether it brings joy or whether the road is rough or whether that rough road actually brings joy. There's a story we have in the book of the book of Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 goes through this great list of people of faith. Elizabeth's in here. Sarah's in here. We have all these wonderful, Samson's in there, Abraham's in there, Isaac, all these people. We get down to the end of chapter 11 and chapter 12 says this, therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses to God's faithfulness, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. How many of y'all have gotten weary and started to lose heart as we've gone through COVID? Right? You know what the next verse says? He said, y'all aren't even facing persecution. You haven't, even, you haven't even faced death yet. Consider it joy when you're going through these things. Jesus looked and for the joy that was set before him, went through all that stuff because he knew it was at the other end. I, I wonder if his brother, James, wrote his book before or after this author of Hebrews. I wonder if James, who heard about his brother, saw his brother, heard his brother talk about taking up a cross and following him, and then saw his brother up on a cross. And then later on, after his resurrection, he appeared to his brother James. And James began to understand. So he looks at people that are trying, going through trying times that are suffering, and he says, guess what? Consider it joy whenever you go face these things because we know the testing of our faith develops perseverance and perseverance hope and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. And this is what they would do as a church when they would quote that verse, when they would walk through those things. If you came in today, take, take out the little Ziploc bag that you have there with communion in it. If you didn't get one of these, could you just raise your hand real quick? The ushers will come down and, and get you one if you didn't, if you didn't get communion when you came in. Have you ever stopped to think how ridiculous it is that as God's people, we gather together and we take a meal 
that represents suffering and death. Now we look at it and realize it also brings life. But you realize in order to have that life, death had to come first. That's where we're at. We celebrate Christ's coming during the Advent season and Christmas. Hey Dave, there's somebody in the far back, right, my right, y'all's left, way in the back, in the back row. I can't see them, I can just see the hand waving. We come together and celebrate Christ coming to earth, him being Emmanuel, him being God with us. And on the night in which he was with his disciples, scripture tells us he knew where he was headed, that he was headed to the cross, but he told his disciples, I wanna take this last meal with you. So scripture tells us that during the Passover, there was bread that was there that represented him. They didn't know what it always meant, but he takes it out and he says, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do it in remembrance of me. And this is my blood, which is shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And we're gonna do that together here in just a moment. Here in our church, we have what's called open communion. You don't have to be a member of our local church. Uh, if you're not, in fact, if you're not in the building, I should have said this earlier. If you're online, run to the kitchen real quick. Get some bread, get some juice. Uh, if you can't find any juice, grab some water, grab something else. Just partake together with us in this meal with our Lord. What he says to us is I want you to come be a part of my family. So you don't have to be a member of this local church. You don't have to be a member of our denomination. If you have accepted Christ as your savior, this meal is for you. There may be somebody who's here today who says, I, I don't know about taking that walk, Pastor Dale. <laughs> You've, this is a weird Advent message. You've talked about a walk that sometimes involves pain and suffering. It might at times, but at the end is joy. At the end is joy. So I'm gonna ask you if you would to bow your heads and close your eyes. And as you hold these elements, I want you to realize that our savior that we celebrate on Christmas day, his coming, he came to give us his life, to shed his blood, for his body to be broken for you and for me. If you've not accepted that, if you've not accepted the gift of his love, this is the perfect Christmas for you to do that. If you realize Christmas is not just about us giving gifts to others, it's because God gave his only son for you and for me because he loves you that much. If you'd like to accept that gift today, would you just pray with me? Just echo what I'm gonna pray in your heart. Father, forgive me for wanting to do life on my own, for wanting to do things my own way. Help me, Father, to give my life to you to allow you to cleanse me, to allow you to make me who you want me to be. Father, help me to understand that, that the road may still be tough. Tough things may still come in my life. There's still sickness and disease in the world. It doesn't mean that everybody at work is gonna think I'm the most awesome person ever and people might not even like me because I'm following you. But Father, when I hear of your love for me, no one's ever loved me like that. 
So Father, forgive me and I wanna accept you as my, my Lord and Savior. Help me, God, as I live, as I work, and the things that I go through to understand that not only are you here with me, but you are going before me, that you are preparing the way for me, and I will not face anything that I cannot handle with you by my side. All these things, Father, I ask and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's my privilege now to pass on to you that which was passed on to me, that on the night in which our Lord was betrayed, he took the loaf of bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. Likewise, after the meal, he took the cup. After giving thanks, he blessed it and said, this is my blood of a new covenant, which is said for your sins and the sins of the world. Drink this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. And then here's the great promise that we're now walking into. We know that we can believe everything that he said in the past. Jesus looks at you and me and what he says to us is, I'm not gonna drink of this again until I drink it again anew with you in my father's kingdom. And we get to gather with him and celebrate. During this Advent season, we just don't celebrate that Christ came 2000 years ago. We celebrate that he said, I'm coming again. You may go through trials, you may go through tough times, I did but you can follow me because I know what I have for you at the end. It's a blessed hope and it's a life of joy. Join us as we sing this morning. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Stay connected with us at thenaz.church.